Hello and welcome to the Outside and Active podcast. My name is Dom and I'll be playing host to conversations tailored for those who love the outdoors. Thank you for joining me on this adventure where I speak to a whole host of interesting guests with inspiring stories. For our next stop on this adventure, we are joined by Eddie Brocklesby, who is the oldest woman to have completed an Ironman triathlon at the age of 74. She has spent the last 20 years taking part in marathons, triathlons and Ironman races across the globe and has represented GB in many European and World Triathlon and Duathlon Championships. If that isn't enough, she cycled in a four-women relay of over 3,000 miles across America and completed five further Ironman triathlons. In 2013, Eddie founded Silverfit, which is a charity devoted to increasing physical activity and social inclusion for older people. And it's all about having fun. We chat about this, all about Eddie's adventures doing different Ironmans when she found fitness really at the age of 52 and also the upcoming race across America which she has next year all in this podcast it's full of energy and laughs and it's a great way to kick off the first episode of season seven but just before we do a word from this week's episode sponsor light up you we all have the right to feel safe but we also all know that this is sometimes a difficult and dangerous world. The sad reality is that an attack, robbery or accident can happen in seconds and a vulnerable person can be overwhelmed very quickly. Light Up You have been working to produce a small, light, easy to use personal alarm that will be the first in the line of defence should the worst happen. And of course, we hope that the worst never does happen, but if it does, Light Up You want you to have the comfort of knowing that you have an effective deterrent and distress call available. In an uncertain world, you can rely on the Light Up You Alarm to quickly protect you when you need it most. You can get this in time for Christmas by heading over to Amazon.co.uk and searching Light Up You Personal Alarm. It's on there and like I said, you can get it in time for Christmas or you can head to their website to learn more about this product and to view their array of safety products at lightupyou.com. Make sure to check them out. And with that, let's head straight into this episode of the Outside and Active podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Outside and Active podcast. I'm very happy today to be joined by Eddie Brocklesby. Eddie, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Pleasure to be here. Amazing. I can't wait to get into this conversation to show our audience you what you've been doing and and get some get some fantastic inspiration now it's going to be it's going to be really good fun but before we get into all of that um, I'm actually going to offer you a piece of advice and it's not going to be from me and listeners listeners of the podcast will know that we do this uh, often now is I'm going to offer you a piece of advice from a from an individual that's been on the podcast before and they're leaving a piece of advice and they don't know who they're leaving it for but this piece of advice comes from the organizer of the London Marathon Hugh Brasher. So it's a, it's a wow. yeah, very nice one, very nice one. And um, his piece of advice for you is to stay positive, look to the good, look to the light, and that's where you will go. So the question that leads on from that is, Eddie, how do you stay positive? <laughs> I am fairly positive anyway and an optimistic person, I think, you know, from the beginning. But my husband died when I was 52 and we had a rather valuable three months when we can talk about that and realise that I was the lucky one. I was going to make the most of my life. And I think that stayed with me throughout profoundly. Oh, well, is that so I was, I was going to kind of go into that and we will go into that. Um, 52 years old is kind of when you started this 
journey, isn't it? I mean, how how would you explain to people listening who Eddie Brocklesby is? I think I'm somebody with 45 years of social work experience, um, you know, on top of my degree and having fun and done very, very little sport. Three children are full time working, so no opportunity to really exercise. And then suddenly start to find as I started to jog run with a small group in Nottinghamshire, what fun it was both to be able to get outdoors and exercise, but to chat at the bottom of the hill and maybe wait till you got to the top of the hill before you could chat again, <laughs> but get other people chatting to you. <laughs> so, yes, it is about socialising for me. It's about having fun um, and enjoying the experience. And I guess staying a little bit fitter than I might otherwise do. I mean, you've kind of answered it there, but it'd be interesting to know if you have any other reasons as well. But what so this is another question we asked to all of our guests as well is what do you love about being outside and active? I love the fresh air. I enjoy getting out there, even in the horrendous rain a couple of days ago. You know, I actually loved it. The other thing I love is the sunset. And I have to say that I live quite near Bushy Park, which is the foundation of Park Run, as you may know. But the Bushy Park sunset is fabulous. And if I can get there, I do. <laughs> so are you a morning runner, an evening runner? Does that Have, have you already answered my question oh, there? Both, both, yes. I think I can get up and run a little bit in the morning or walk, jog, let me emphasise that, rather than run at the moment. Um, and then, yes, in the evening, I think the sunset is fabulous. So it was at 52 where you you ran your first marathon, correct? No, it it was a half marathon. marathon. Um, I'd gone to watch a friend doing the marathon um, up at Nottingham where my husband and I had met when we were both at university there. And the route of that half marathon was round past all the uni um, halls of residence, etc. So it just seemed a fabulous opportunity. I came back from watching that friend to my husband and said, you know, I'd love to do that. Critically, he said to me, you couldn't even run two miles to Northampton. <laughs> and that was the challenge that motivated me that's beyond amazing. all of that's, that's the key motivation when someone goes, <laughs> oh, you, there's no way you could do that. And then something flicks inside of you and you go, well, I'm going to show them now. Yeah. yeah. And, but, but before <laughs> that, in, in your, like you said, you were working um, was it a social worker. But what was your your experience and relationship with an active lifestyle before that? Had you been involved in sports? Had you run before or was this a brand new adventure? I'd done almost nothing before, even at university. Um, I, you know, I, I did dance at university. Um, so maybe doing the twist was, you know, <laughs> and representing the university at the twist was physically active, actually. Yeah, but absolutely. beyond that, no. <laughs> um, so it really was 50 odd before I got into any exercise at all. And I have a doctor friend who had suggested, and this is a theory that I'll go into more with Silverfit, but it's so vital at the age of menopause for women to actually get more physically active. You can increase your bone strength, muscle strength, etc. significantly more peri. And, you know, you've really got to put the effort in at that stage. And women really do need to get more physically active at that age. So that, that's, that's something that I'd, I'd love to ask you about, because it's something you hear so often with people. I mean, 
my own mother. She's 59 years old. And she always says to me, oh, no, it's too, I don't want to do couch to 5K or I can't do park run. Or, I mean, she stays very fit. She walks the dogs. She, she does spin classes and aqua biking. And, but she, oh, oh no, great. I can't do running. I can't do that. And she goes, it's too late. But what's your message to people that go, oh, it's too late. I can't do this now. Or like, I'd be too old. What would you say to that? I think Park Run have got the evidence of that, haven't they? That, you know, you can go at whatever pace you want. And it's interesting to see Joe Wicks now promoting walking the Park Run, um, which I've done too after I had my bike fall. But, yeah, it isn't that you don't have to run um, at all. You actually, and what I did, actually, I had a bike fall six weeks ago. So I haven't done any running at all until yesterday, ironically, um, when I actually walked for probably three or four k and i did jog every minute or so just for a few steps so you know let's progress that and i think that's key isn't it that you take it steady you don't make any dramatic changes and build up the strength again yeah so what what happened six weeks ago Oh, <laughs> I went out for what I thought was going to be quite a long bike ride and I just hit a curb after 10 metres and went <laughs> right over. So. Right at the beginning. <laughs> but at least, you know, I had a helmet and it didn't hit my head, but um, I was the lucky one even there. But yeah, so you're just it, back, it has the getting back into what well, you said. Right, I'm first getting back. I've been indoor biking um, a lot in the last week or two but it'll be interesting i haven't quite got my confidence yet yeah. to go out on a bike um so we'll watch because so you i also saw that around this time last year did you have a hip replacement yep so how how was did that affect your active lifestyle at that point Oh, I took the consultant's advice that I could bike as soon as I wanted, but don't you dare fall off, <laughs> was his advice, right, Okay, <laughs> which was fair enough. Swimming, I mean, it's not my favourite occupation as my triathlon, but, you know, yes, there was no excuse not to swim at all. And, right. um, you know, that that's ongoing. Um, and as far as running and jogging was concerned, you know, take it easy, monitor it fairly carefully, don't overdo it. So we've started this podcast talking about, you know, being active at an, at an elder age and and staying active and you know talking about your injuries of falling off bikes but let's let's give people a bit of an idea of you're not just someone that found running and did a half marathon at 52 you you kind of took it i want to say to the extreme because you take on incredible challenges iron mans you at, at age correct me if i'm wrong 72 became the oldest british woman to complete an ironman triathlon I mean, explain this. How did the idea come about and and where did the motivation to do it come from as well? I think the motivation to get into triathlon in the beginning rather than just walk and run was that actually, you know, when you had a slight problem walking or running, um, then there were alternatives to that. And that's how I got into cycling and I've just loved it. Um, you know, I've gone on the odd cycling holiday. Um, I just... I live near Richmond Park and there's nothing like doing a couple of laps of Richmond Park just to say, wow, isn't this fantastic? Um, once the cars have finished at nine o'clock in the morning, I have to add. <laughs> just, what are the distances for people listening that obviously a lot of people have heard of 
of of that race of an Ironman triathlon distance. But how far are those? How far is the the swim, the cycle, and then the run? Just to give people an idea of the the context. The bike critically is 180k. Um, the swim, I never quite remember that one. Is it three k? I want to say it's, it could also, almost be two and a half, three miles. Okay. Oh, is I'm it, sorry, I can't remember. It's that a lot. Um, no, don't. You're the one that's completed it. And the run is a marathon, or the walk. You know, I've had doing New York, for instance, great opportunities to chat to other people as we yeah. walk home. You know, but that's quite an <laughs> so achievement. I've done, 10 Ironman and I've failed four um so I've completed six of them that's amazing <laughs> that's amazing where did the motivation come from or the idea to to take it on other than you know enjoying the cycling element to do Ironman I think sort of steadily progressing really from an Olympic distance um you know to a half Ironman and then an Ironman I mean, going from not really doing too much exercise before the age of 52, other than, you know, the dance and, and normal life, to then starting to take on these challenges in a period of life where a lot of people start saying, oh, well, I'm just not going to do, you know, not going to be as active as I used to be. That takes an incredible amount of, I would say, stubbornness, ability like you must have a, a natural ability to take these things on, whether, you know, you might say, oh, well, I walked it, but you still are traveling that distance. But I think you're enjoying it. You're having fun. And that is the key issue. You know, you're meeting other people on that journey. Um, you know, friends that I've made, long, long lasting friends. Um, you know, the Serpentine Running Club, for instance, um, has been a network that I've valued and appreciated for oh, 20 odd years now. Um, so, yes, I think it is the, the additional element of the social element that, that keeps you going um, and, and inspires me. <laughs> so you, you chat, you said you mentioned you chat to people during races. What's a really, what's been one of the best conversations you've had with someone that you've met during a race or an event? Oh gosh, I need time to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> like meeting inspirational people. I mean, you, I presume you tell them your story. You, you have a story that they, they tell you in reply. I mean, having taken part in other races that you meet a lot of interesting people and you have amazing conversations and it's very motivational and and very nice i'm sure there there have been moments i won't push you to try and remember one you might you might come up with with something that you remember uh, later on in the conversation but i'm sure there have been like i think yes i mean cycling you've got to be going at the same pace as someone else haven't you so some of the cycling trips that i've done with painted roads in vietnam and that sort of thing have been absolutely um inspirational and you know friends that i've retained ever since um <laughs> to the point that three of us plus me went to the Vauxhall Tavern to the <laughs> last weekend. I mean, there you go for a variety. Amazing. <laughs> what's been the hardest event that you've taken on? And then on the flip side of that, what's been the best or the most fun that you've had in an event? I think probably it is to finish the London Marathon. Yeah. Um, you know, it's quite tough and 
got increasingly tough. Um, I think to actually go to the finishing where I knew the commentator, you know, and that's the case in the triathlon. I suppose that's probably one of the big ones. Um, the Olympic distance triathlon, was it in 2012 that was in Hyde Park, wasn't it? Um, so not the actual professional one, but there was also you know, one that you could join in after. Um, and my colleague, friend and coach who sets me a programme is Annie Emerson, the BBC um, triathlon commentator now. But then, you know, she was a professional ab- ab- athlete. So, yes, to come through the final stage and there's Annie ready to interview me <laughs> for the BBC. <laughs> it was fun. I can imagine. <laughs> and And has there been a race which has been very difficult or very tough? Oh, they all are. Well, of course, of course. They're all very difficult mentally and physically. But is there one in particular that you went that, whether it be conditions or... Yeah, I remember coming out of the Cozumel Ironman the first time um, that I did it. And you sort of, I, it's fabulous underwater site that I loved. But actually, I started to get goggle problems, I think, because I probably hadn't cleaned them effectively and there was still some chemical stuff in my goggles. And I came out of that swim really staggering everywhere and actually getting into an ambulance when I came out of that swim. So, yeah, and sort of real disappointment. There you are in Mexico with a fabulous bike and run that you can't do you know, because you're in an ambulance. But it was the first time I'd ever been in an ambulance. And even that was fun in Mexico. I like that. Embracing every experience. (laughs) I'm always interested to hear people that take on big challenges that prov- that require having to take on nutrition or, you know, you need to eat a lot before or after, mainly after. What's your favourite post-event snack meal? Do you have a go-to? People like to hear this and people often have like a, an, a good answer as well. Do you have something that's your go-to meal after you finish a big event? No, I don't really. I've always had high five and their protein bars and protein recovery. I've, you know, it is important, isn't it, that you do recover with protein. Um, and I've always valued that. So, no, I mean, obviously, you at the end of London Marathon, I remember going down into the cabinet war rooms, um, <laughs> partly you know for the facilities down in the Churchill war rooms but also that after that you meet up and in the cafe there with friends and absolutely great that happens to be sort of 100 meters past the end of the London marathon doesn't it so that's an important point that you touched on there recovery how is it does it become more of a challenge after you finish an event to recover physically you know as as you know you started running at 52 and 79 now does that challenge become you have to work harder at it are there different ways you have to approach it not that i'm aware of no i mean a bit of rest after um but no i mean yes last night i did my first jog walk um and you know yes i've taken it very easy so far today i may go swimming <laughs> oh that's not taking it easy not doing anything for six weeks and then a jog and then a swim that's always the way it is um what what's a piece of advice that you would give to people who consider themselves to be in you know an an older demographic that might be thinking oh okay might be listening to this and thinking okay well previously I thought I don't want to take anything on but now I, I will try something is there a piece of advice that you would go okay do this first or try this out or start this way 
mean, that question is underpinning the whole of the silver philosophy, which is the charity that I'm running. Um, Yes, take it steadily, preferably go around the block with a friend and just go for a walk um, and then look at what the other opportunities are in your particular locality. Um, because there is an awful lot out there for older people. Um, but it does just take either Googling yourself or getting one of your relatives to Google mm-hmm. for you. Um, but there are opportunities in most areas to undertake some form of physical activity. There's a lot of online, you know, Silverfit has online Pilates and that sort of thing that people can join in and, you know, do at their own pace, really. Um, yeah, so let's chat about Silverfit. What is it? Uh, how did it come about? And how would you? How do you advertise it? Three separate questions, right? So the, the background was that when I was a social worker running an adoption agency um, in five years before 2012, um, I looked at doing a marathon, organising a marathon down the Lee Valley, which was when it first started in five to go, which would have been 2007, the Olympic Park hadn't been built. So actually we started the marathon, called it five to go, and it ended up on Hackney Marsh, which was right next to where the you know, the whole Olympic Park was going to be built. And that was a fundraising thing for the adoption agency I ran. So that's really the beginning. So we did five to go, four to go until we got to the Olympics, um, which I just loved every minute of. But we had a year out at that point and then looked as a charity that we'd become, What where could we make a difference? So as part of the Olympic legacy, really, um, then the opportunity to get sessions going where we could encourage older people to come along um, and have fun you know and so that's grown rapidly um, until now we are in 11 different London boroughs offering facilities 17 different venues and something like 40 odd different activities in Silverfit so ranging from you know things like Nordic walking walking football which has been fun um, and um, oh, sort of Bollywood fitness, Pilates, wow. silver cheerleading, I think is great, you know, to get older people waving their pom-poms with the Beatles music. You oh, know, that's you amazing. You can't ask for more, can you? <laughs> How do I get involved? That, no, that sounds, that, that does sound. You can get involved, yes. <laughs> Sign me up, I'm, I'm there. I want to I be throwing my pom-poms around with to the Beatles. <laughs> But how have you found the engagement with that? Have been pe- people been like, oh, this is fantastic, people getting involved, creating communities, creating social environments for people? No, that's absolutely crucial. I mean, yes, I've done a lot of research as a social worker, so I've always been into data and data analysis. Um, And yes, we know the difference that we're making. We know that members coming along don't go to their GPs so often. They're on reduced medication. We've, you know, we know that to be the case. We also know that they they stay, and that's the key, key one. They keep coming because of the social element. So we have what we call a social sandwich that people meet up socially take the register and fill in any essential forms then they do an activity of you know that they've chosen and then absolutely crucially meet up again socially so i think that is key um and you know again it's about 
the old word of having fun, isn't it? You know, I had to give a talk at one of the, you know, big conferences up in Manchester. And, you know, I I think I was almost one of the last to be the speaker at three o'clock in the afternoon. And nobody up until me had mentioned the word fun. And you think this is so key to getting people involved, to keep them coming back, to enjoying life, you know. And the fact that that hadn't been mentioned as a key word, which, (laughs) as you can hear, I put it in everywhere. (laughs) Yeah, it's such an important point, though. Obviously, you know, for for silver fit of people wanting to have fun and that keeps them coming back. But I used to work at a university in the sports department and it was the same thing there where people might have played sport at school or when they were younger, whether it be ultimate frisbee, rugby, cricket, football, hockey, the rest. But they come to uni and they just find it not fun anymore. And that's what really puts people off. And and that's what gets people out of the out of the sporting industry yeah. for, for lack of a better word. And that's what I, it seems that the the government and the sporting associations are trying to do now is to provide a reason to people to go back there. And that's just reminded me of when you're talking about fun, you know, there's so much about inclusivity, but then also a high performance that we, sometimes we forget that sport is put there for us to escape and have fun. So that, that works right the way up from kids playing at five years old to people taking on uh, silver cheerleading. So it's great. It's great to hear that. It's great to hear that. (laughs) What's your goal for silver fit? I think I'd like to see it expanding. We've got a very good relationship with GLL better. And I think through that, and that's something that UK, what's the activity? I'm sorry, UK, no, what's it called? UK, the main UK physical fitness organisation. Sorry, it was my head's gone as well. UK challenge? No, it's not. Anyway, sorry, I was very strongly recommended to um, in developing Silverfit to link with a leisure company. Um, And I've done that really successfully and been extremely grateful to them for their support of having particularly what they might describe as quirky activities. You know, they didn't normally in a silver fit gym, sorry, in a um, GLL gym have cheerleading, but, you know, so supportive of that. Though it's been great. Um, the National Sports Centre at Crystal Palace, um, Talica at Camden, you know, there's Ashburton, there's been a, a series of them. So I think that is a potential in the future for, merge, for moving out of London, possibly. The other thing that we've just done um, last week is sign a merger agreement. So Silverfit has become a subsidiary charity of HUK Camden. Um, now, that, too, is going to give us the potential to grow and move with them and have the backup of their HR governance, finance, the things that I'm not too good at. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good move. It's a good move. Yeah. I mean, it's a fantastic initiative. So it's no surprise, of, you know, you're having that much engagement and also other organisations, charitable you know, setups and, and companies will want to engage with that as well. So. So a massive congratulations with that and uh, and long may that continue and grow. One of the other things that we've we've not spoken about yet, which is amazing, is the race across America. So explain what that is and also your experience with it. 
Right. So Race Across America um, has been going, I think, for about 50 years um, and essentially going from the sort of L.A. side of America over towards Pennsylvania, New York. So that direction, there are a variety of ways in which you can do it. You all start off within 24 hours of each other, but you can do it as a solo. You can do it as a team of two, four or a corporate team of eight. Um, you need a support system big time. You need somewhere where you can sleep. You need a crew with you. Um, so in 2008, for the first time, we had um, four of us doing it, four women, um, and, you know, successfully. And we had a support team probably of about eight or ten people. We did it again in 2019, and that wasn't quite so successful because one of the four of us um, had an accident just 300 miles short of the finish. Um, so we actually stopped. We're talking about 3,000 miles racing across say, America. You say yeah. you say just 300 miles short. I mean, that's an incredible distance. But when you say 3,000 miles across America, that that is an unbelievable distance. How How long, in theory, does that time take? You have only nine days in which to do it as a team of four. If you're doing it as a solo, I think you've got 11 days. So um, we are now getting ready to do it again in 2023. Um, I'm really, really excited about that. Um, So, yes, the the theory is that two of you um, will go hour on hour off riding for about six hours and then the or eight hours then the other two take over and you can get to bed and sleep in the Winnebago um I sleep quite well wherever I'm <laughs> not <laughs> a problem to make short term um so yeah we're planning it again um we need sponsorship um because actually there is a cost of mm. um you know the, the transport of the crew f- um flying it but the um, Race Across America organisers are really keen on our new team, which is the Just Sweat No Team, No Tears Legends, I think would be our title. And they're really keen because I think I'll be the oldest person or woman. I need to clarify that with them who's ever done it. So, you know, I know the media from their perspective. I'll be 80 next year. And I think they see that as... (laughs) <laughs> 80 years young but taking on such an incredible challenge i mean are you excited for it are you nervous for it obviously you've done it in 2008 no i'm really really excited and just beginning after my bike fall to yeah. get back onto my indoor biking um you know serious but just talking to my friend you know who will be my partner going hour on hour off she's doing far more miles than me at the moment and i'm thinking oh god fine you've got plenty of time plenty of time is she a similar age demographic as you not quite she's a tiny bit younger than me but no we're but we are but she's no i don't declare her age dare i um but no she's 70 plus yeah Um, But, yeah, doing a huge mileage and also doing far more physical training than I'm doing in terms of kettlebell exercises, (laughs) etc. So having talked to her. Yes, I've got to catch up. up. (laughs) I don't want to let her down, do I? (laughs) So what's the hardest part about taking on that race? Because obviously you're doing miles pretty much every single day. It's 3,000 miles. 
you're going through a lot of different states which are effectively like mini countries so is it navigation is it just the pure tiredness and the motivation to have to get up and and go again i think having done it since 2008 the difference in technology i mean in that first time there was no wi-fi um now you've actually got garmin and a route in front of you and you know exactly where you're going with a car behind you in the dark giving you light to um so i think things have changed dramatically in in that way um but yeah i it does need good discipline and organization and it does you know i'm coming back to it again but it does need funding and again you know i'm at the stage of writing letters to various potential sponsors to say you know can you help we in some way you know i don't think we're asking people for a massive amount of money but if you know and people contributed it would be fantastic and it's it's a so great anything you can do to help on that would yeah, be really appreciated exactly. any brands that are listening help help them out because <laughs> that it's i mean it's an incredible <laughs> challenge and obviously like you said it's it takes funding and a lot of people that we've spoken to on the podcast have similar and i'm always interested to find out because you're going away for t- a certain amount of time so it's taking time out of what you know might ordinarily be doing yeah. it takes a considerable considerable amount of resource in terms of financial funding that will need to go into it so it's it really is the support of brands and people that that fundraise to make these challenges possible and they are amazing challenges and and um i always find that interesting and understanding how people people do that so yeah brands brands are a massive part of that and uh I think would feed into what we've got is a massive amount of recent research. So the World Health Report that came out two weeks ago on the global crisis of inactivity. So, you know, there is a huge demand to get that message across, not to be as mad as as my kids would say, mad brown, to go across America, but actually just to be more active. We've all got a responsibility to get that message out worldwide. And I think that WHO report was quite staggering, actually. So, again, I couldn't recommend that people read at least the summary of that online. (laughs) Absolutely. Another thing that's really cool that I saw um, is that you were awarded the BEM services to health and well-being of older people. How how did you find out about this? What what does BEM stand for? Let people know what what this, this recognition is all about. I don't quite know how it happened, but people had obviously put my name forward for the British Empire Medal. Um, So that was great fun, too. I went to the ceremony with, you know, hundreds of people in the audience. And one at a time, you step up to the Lord Lieutenant of London, who gave me my medal. And as I stepped up onto the stage, my hat fell off. Oh, no. (laughs) It was hilarious. The whole audience were laughing, roaring with laughter. So it's the Lord Lieutenant who had to pick my hat up off the ground. (laughs) But no one will forget that one. No one will forget. (laughs) But that that must really cement, you know, remind you of the you know especially with silver fit the impact that you are having on people's lives and it must be nice you know you're doing that selflessly that's what your passion is but at the same time it must also be quite nice to have that appreciation and realization from your peers yeah no i agree and the other fun opportunity was the pride of sport award that i got 
Um, and that was fun too with Jeremy Vardy in the next table too. <laughs> oh, really? Henry <laughs> Dalglish on the table there. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow, what am I doing here? But as I went to go up to be presented, you had a queue of a few people um, sort of waiting to go up onto the stage. There's Tanny Gray Thompson, for whom I've got profound respect, in her wheelchair, knew me. I chatted to her briefly, then went on up the stairs to be presented by Ben Shepherd, and who oh, came nice. up the ramp to give me my trophy but Tanny Gray Thompson you know I was oh, oh amazing <laughs> that must be such yeah. a nice experience oh it was absolutely fantastic yeah oh, well, yeah well, and Johnny Peacock I forgot he was the actual one who handed me the trophy really? <laughs> he's lovely we've um I, I've he's been a guest on the podcast uh, oh, a few seasons you. ago he is a very very lovely person um so I it yeah. sounds like you had a room full of very inspirational, very motivated, amazing people, and you are part of that. So many congratulations on 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 both that and and the uh, British Empire Medal as as well. Um, it's a slightly different uh, line of questioning. One thing that I did see when when I was uh, researching about you, Iron Gran is is a name that has been attributed to you or you've used that before which i think is just an amazing name <laughs> obviously apply a, a play on an iron man did you come up with that with yourself no i think it was a combination of us <laughs> i wrote a book yeah um and i think yes it was a combination sort of suggesting that the title should could be iron grand um and really fun to again to to launch that and have the opportunities to go on breakfast telly and sunday saturday live that was one of the best of the lot the today program yes i mean you're sort of in another world really just chatting to people but loved it um so yeah that's iron gran and you know yes i think that's my social media sort of labels as well but as the grandkids say it's mad gran really mad gran man (laughs) iron gran or mad gran it's it's one of the two interesting that this might not be the case but the achievements that you've had are are, are incredible but of often your age or like you said iron gran is a not attributed but put alongside that like oh you know eldest person to have done a british eldest british woman to have done an iron man do you ever think oh well i'm just someone who has done multiple iron man taken on these different challenges um or is it something that actually you welcome the age side of it being attributed because it's an inspiration to other people that will then look to be active as a result of seeing that I think that's certainly right that, you know, people think it's never too late to change. It's never too late to get that bit more active. What is fascinating is I've got a cup that um, 19, I was 60 to 65 for London Marathon. And I think I came second in my age group then. Now I'd be 500th or something, you know, to see that women are doing so much better now than we did um so we'll be talking 20 years ago aren't we or 19 years ago um i think it's fantastic um yeah it's a significant fact isn't it to actually statistically i mean i could talk to the organizer of london marathon and find out now how many people have done that time that i did i think it was 445 probably so no 345 sorry (laughs) 
I mean, it does just show. It does just show more women taking part, older people taking part, and they're getting yeah. be- and getting better at it. And, and it's sure, just, yeah, it, it's yeah. it's amazing to see that that progression. And obviously, you're part of yeah. that, and you're one of the trailblazers in that area. And you, again, seeing with Silverfit, you're inspiring more people to do that. How, can you see yourself being active as long as you can? Yes. I mean, I can send you a video of my grandmother at the age of 91 being interviewed by Joan Bakewell. Um, and, you know, she'd been Churchill's cook throughout the war. So I think, well, you know, some of the genes are pretty good. Yeah. There, aren't they? <laughs> that's, that's an aspiration. That's a, that's a point. That you've got something to look up to there. Wow. Active at the 90, at 91. But you can, it doesn't have to be, you know, Ironman triathlons. It can be like we, we spoke about earlier, the walk around the park run it can be a walk yeah, with friends, family, yeah. the, the dog yeah. for people listening to this. It yeah. doesn't have to be the extreme. It's amazing, you know, the extremes that you have done and the things that you've achieved, but being active can be anything that suits your lifestyle and suits yeah. what you want to do. Yeah. And I think you're so right. I, for the last two weeks, I was looking after my son and daughter-in-law's dog and I was actually having to go out for a walk twice a day everybody smiles at you if you give them eye contact and you're out there with a dog there was something much more sociable about everybody out there even if they weren't walking with a dog you know they'd look at perhaps an old woman and and smile and you think my goodness you know and some people will say that's the first time I've smiled ever you know when I'm out for a walk so Yes, is the answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I really, I'm, I'm glad you said that because often, especially down at your base down south, I'm also based down south. We're not a very friendly bunch sometimes. We don't often, <laughs> you know, look each other in when we're out for walks. But when I'm out for my run and you just said it like there when you're walking, just looking, you know, a little nod, a smile, whether they be a runner, a dog walker, just someone out yeah. walking, just yeah. it, it, it brings positivity. It brings yeah a smile to that person's day it makes you feel yeah. better and I think yeah and I think you don't always know the difference you've made to yes. somebody by just smiling um you know you don't know where other people are at because you don't know them but I don't think there's anything lost by smiling exactly <laughs> and it links back in to that idea that you spoke about earlier fun smiling fun it, it all it all works together quite nicely it, it, this has been an incredibly fun conversation amazing hearing about the challenges that you've taken on amazing hearing about silver fit and and like i said long may that grow and continue to affect people's lives but the the last thing uh, well the last question i have before i ask you for a piece of advice is what's next for you obviously you've got uh, race across America coming up next year. Is there anything else that you've got your eye on that you'd love to do that you've never done before, or is there anything that you've got coming up? I am looking at another possible triathlon. I was due to do the Worlds in a week's time over in Abu Dhabi, um, and clearly after my fall, I abandoned that. Yeah. I would like to do another triathlon um, probably next year. Um, and fit around but number one has got to be cycling and <laughs> managing to do 800 miles next year in june the 13th yeah. i think the date is <laughs> well, well we're wishing you the best the best of luck for that and and your future Thank endeavors you. as well it's gen- genuinely been an inspiration and i know that a lot of people listening to this will take inspiration from that as well so that 
the only last thing that I need from you in this conversation, Eddie, is a piece of advice that you want to offer to a guest coming on the podcast in the near future. Yes, one of them would be to make sure you know the questions that are going to be asked of you so that you can give a bit of choice to <laughs> <laughs> and a bit of research into how you'd want to answer those questions. Love it. <laughs> <Will> that <do? laughs> That's fantastic. That's fantastic. Eddie, it's, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on to the Outside and Active podcast and we wish you the best of luck. Thank you. <laughs> And there we have it. That is the end of the first episode of Season 7 on the Outside and Active podcast featuring Eddie Brocklesby, Iron Gran. Like I said at the beginning, that was an amazingly fun, engaging and funny conversation full of laughs. So I hope you enjoyed. But that is the end of the episode. Thank you very much for listening. Let's grow this community. If you think you know someone who would enjoy this podcast just as much as you, send it on to them. If they love the outdoors, they're likely to like some of the guests that we've had on and some of the guests that we've got coming on in the near future. Really looking forward to releasing that. Thank you very much for listening. Make sure to leave a rating and just a final thank you to the sponsors of this episode, Light Up You. Again, at the moment, it's dark. It's not very warm. We want to make sure that we're safe when we're outside, either exercising or just moving around check out the personal alarm which you can get over on amazon in time for christmas by searching on amazon.co.uk light up you personal alarm and if you want to check out more about light up you head to their website lightupyou.com loads of amazing safety products to keep you lit and safe during these dark winter months until next time enjoy the outdoors <laughs>